Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the first section of our conversation with Laurent Gunnens about POBOCOBO. POBOCOBO are the acronym standing for Payments on Behalf of and Collections on Behalf of. Who better than a former Treasury consultant who has implemented POBOCOBO structures for clients to speak about this topic? Laurent was a manager in the treasury practice of a big four consulting firm and is now the global treasury leader at Punch Powertrain. Needless to say that he is a seasoned treasury professional with a tremendous amount of knowledge, in particular when it comes to in-house banks, treasury systems and Pobo Kobo. In the episode of today, expect to learn what is Pobo, what is Kobo, and even Robo receipt on behalf of that I didn't even know before recording this episode. What are the benefits for corporates to have such a structure? What is an in-house bank? What are current accounts? And much, much more. If you enjoy, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast app. This is the best way to support us. It is completely free. Takes only two seconds and makes Hussam and I very happy indeed. Last note before diving into our fascinating conversation with Laurent, we are now on LinkedIn. If you'd like to reach out, suggest a topic, ask a question, or simply say hi, we will be happy to have you. Just look for Corporate Treasury 101. That will be us. With all that being said, please welcome Laurent Gernens. Can you maybe start with uh, introducing yourself and explain us what you do? Hey, Guillaume, of course, absolutely. And uh, first of all, very happy uh, to be here and to be able to participate to uh, this podcast series. So uh, my name is uh, Laurent. I'm the corporate treasury manager of uh, Punch Powertrain. Punch Powertrain, it is a bit known in Belgium, let's say, but of course not outside of it. But shortly, we are the yeah, independent dynamic leader of innovative transmission and propulsion systems for automotive industries and mobility providers globally. Mainly focused, let's say, on uh, three types of transmissions, which is, first of all, the conventional transmission. Um, most of you know it because it's a transmission that's in your, your diesel car, let's say. But short, yeah, a short while ago, of course, Punch Powertrain has been moving as well to hybrid solutions and then also to full EV solutions where we are, yeah, working on integrated drive units, power electronics, uh, reducers, and uh, those kind of items. So that was maybe very short what Punch Powertrain does. But of course, if anyone would like to know a bit more, they can go to, uh, to the website. 100%. We'll put the, the link in the description. And just for my own curiosity, where do you, because so it's a little bit known in Belgium, but I guess this is, uh, the, the market is worldwide, right? Where are your activities exactly? It's, it's a bit globally, actually. There's a, a big portion in, uh, in China, but there's also, let's say, a market in India. And we're working with, uh, yeah, with some joint ventures here in Europe as well. So we are really going uh, yeah, very globally. And so, when I mentioned in detail, it's a bit known in Belgium. It's mostly because a, a few years ago, uh, Punch Powertrain was the, yeah, the enterprise of the year. And, and that's why most people still uh, remember it. Awesome. Okay. Well, the topic of the day is um, not directly related to Punch Power Trend, but I guess your position uh, will allow you to, to say a lot about it. We would like to, to break down what Pobo Kobo is. So maybe to begin with, I'll just break down Pobo would mean payments on behalf of and Kobo collection on behalf of. 
that's more or less where my knowledge stops. So, Laurent, can you enlighten us and explain us what Pobo means exactly? Yep, absolutely. As you already mentioned, Pobo is the abbreviation of uh, payment on behalf of. And very short, it's actually where an entity, which will be mostly a central corporate, will perform a payment or it will pay an invoice to um, an external bank account. And the invoice that's going to be paid is mostly belonging to a subsidiary of the, the corporate's central entity. Okay. And so why would the company use this in the first place? Because it sounds like a bit of a, of a complicated scheme. Um, there are, let's say, a few reasons why you would use Pobo and, and Kobo, of course. So we can maybe split it up in what is the, the added value of, of Pobo, Kobo, yeah. what are the key drivers and what are the enablers. Um, okay. Starting with, with the added value, of course, it's uh, the fact that you can reduce the amount of bank accounts that are needed, which indirectly also means, of course, a cost, re a cost reduction of yeah, bank charges and general uh, overhead costs. Secondly, it helps with an improved cash visibility because when you will pay from a more central account, you know, of course, what is going on in that account. You see more payments going out, you see for Kobo then payments going in, and it gives you a better cash visibility. Thirdly, we can also talk about, let's say, a better risk management and better centralization of control. If you centralize your payments, of course, you, you can also centralize your risk. And I'm thinking here about uh, FX risk, for example. If you have a, an entity in Belgium that has to make a dollar payment, there's no need anymore for every entity that has to make ad hoc uh, a dollar payment or a GBP payment to open a bank account in that currency. So if you have an INAS bank, which has a bank account in that currency, they can just make the payment for you, which makes it of course easier because then you can, yeah, the, the exposure that you have can also be managed centrally. And a fourth reason also I think worthwhile mentioning is that it can simplify operational processes. And especially if it's uh, well implemented, it allows for, let's say, technology simplifications and a lot of uh, scalability. That sounds like there are a lot of topics to tackle in there, Laurent. Amazing. Yep. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> maybe come back on one of the terms you mentioned uh, that I'm quite intrigued about, in-house bank. What, what, is, what is that exactly? Yeah, an in-house bank. Um, as you mentioned, it's it's very linked to Pobo Kobo. Mostly when you will do Pobo Kobo, there will be an, an Inas Bank setup behind it because you will make a payment in name of a subsidiary, but you want to track, of course, who you made the payment for. And that's mostly tracked on Inas Bank. And Inas Bank itself, it's mostly just, um, yeah, it's an internal bank, as we call it. But we have to be careful because it's not a bank in the, the classic sense. So it's only used for, for funds and it lends all the funds that it has available to its subsidiaries. And what is the benefit here compared to, let's say, a normal bank? It's also that there is um, no control of financial supervisor, supervisory authorities. So you see there that you can control all the cash within the group and it helps you to, to use the money more efficiently and also cheaper because the, the capital that you use is already belonging to the company and you can easily lend it to a subsidiary without having to go to a bank. So there's no need for all the bureaucratic setup. Uh, you can just say, okay, I'm, let's say a US corporate. I have a Belgian entity. I need 300 K goes a lot quicker than having to go to your bank in Belgium. Say, I need this loan. Can I use it? What is the interest rate? Your treasury, which is managing that in as bank, they know the financial situation of the subsidiary and they can react very quickly to your request. Also, 
the rate that you can ask for it might be a few percentage points lower than when you go to your bank. You, you cannot ask whatever you want, of course, because there's the, the arm's length principle and the, the transfer pricing, but it just allows you in a quick way to get at a lower cost um, the loans that you need and so on. Okay. What do you mean with arm's length exactly? And transfer yeah. pricing, what, what are those terms? Yeah, of course. First, looking maybe at, at arm's length, in, in short, the definition of arm's length is actually just saying that we're going to compare it to something else and we're going to see what we are using is the same as our benchmark. And that benchmark, it can be, it can be a lot of, mostly in, uh, yeah, in the treasury world, it's compared to deposit rates, it can be uh, a yield curve, it can be lending rates published by a central bank. But basically, we need to be in line with the benchmark. That's the okay. arm's length nature, which is just to avoid, of course, that when you have an interest rate in the market of 4%, that you will borrow money to your sub for free. There's also a lot of tax reasons behind that, but that makes it, I think, yeah, already really complex and it might even be good to have a, a separate uh, series specifically for the, the tax backgrounds. Now it's, uh, it's encored, Laurent, you said it, so um, now we'll receive probably an invitation for another episode on arms length. Well, and to be honest, I don't know uh, tax wise and arms length, <laughs> I'm uh, the best, but that's, <laughs> of that's course, not always it. very happy to help. <laughs> But so you mentioned earlier that uh, there was there was no control or supervisory authorities when it comes to enhancement, which is super interesting. I'd like to dig into this, but to a certain extent, uh, especially regarding the arm's length, you have, right? You need to apply more or less the same pricing. So instead of having a product that you contract with your bank as a corporate, you contract it internally. So one entity of the group will contract a product with the other entity of the, of the group, but the pricing needs to like more or less market practice, not to have like, I guess, unfair competition within the company or something like this. Do that make sense? Correct. Yeah, oh, correct. And also not only within the company, but just globally, it needs to be in line with what is really happening in the, the markets. It makes a lot of sense. Okay. And um, you mentioned capital. Does that mean that the in-house bank, uh, I'd like to dig a little bit into this as well, but the in-house bank in the end is limited in terms of capital to the cash that the company has then if like it acts at its, as its own bank, but is only limited by the amount of cash it has, right? Or how does it work? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's right. Um, well, actually, yes and no, to be honest. Let's first start with, again, with Lina's bank quickly. Uh, Bobo Kobo is a part of it, but it goes a lot, a lot further. You can also put um, cash pooling in place where you will centralize all the cash within the group. So basically entity A, B, and C have excess cash. They will give it to the Lina's bank, so to the header and company D needs cash. And that money can be used to, to lend it to company D. Of course, you can also go for external cash. The Inas Bank itself, if really needed, they could go to the market and say, okay, uh, I need cash as well. And then they can borrow and use it internally. So it, it just gives the opportunity to, to centralize all the processes and to make sure that there's less exposure to the, to the outside worlds instead of 20 different subsidiaries going to the market. You have basically one central point, which goes to the market, which gives it yeah, a lot more leverage. Yeah? I, I mentioned already like Obokobo reduces the amount of bank accounts and costs. Yeah. She can go to a banking partner to your, let's say your cash management bank. And you can say, okay, instead of having in Belgium, an entity with 10 transactions and in uh, the Netherlands, one with 20, yeah, you can go with the Holiness bank, uh, to your partner and say, okay, this will be the volume and you will get better pricing than you would get as an individual uh, entity. 
makes a lot of sense. Okay, hence the dimension of leverage. And last point you mentioned was, um, I mean, one of the first actually, was the fact that it's tracked in the in-house bank. Does it mean there is a kind of software or does, do people like manually uh, write down on the paper, okay, I'm making a payment uh, on behalf of this entity? How, how does it work here? You can write it down manually, but uh, <laughs> it would take a lot of time. <laughs> but but, but no. the digits are not so... Uh, so no. okay. so you, need to, you need to have, let's say, um, already a good size for uh, an in-house bank to really be worthwhile because oh. it needs to be managed, it needs to be set up. Mostly it's maintained indeed by, uh, by systems behind it. And what's important is that, yeah, you will have several systems that need to, to intertwine with each other. Okay. Mainly when you think about it, um, we think about a, a payment factory to execute your payments. You think about a TMS, the TMS can, can capture, for example, the positions can help executing the payments before it goes to the payment factory. It can manage your fixed exposure, your interest rate exposure, and so on. And thirdly, and preferably as well, there's an ERP system. So you can, in your TMS, you mostly have, let's say, a accounting module that can support you. And what is mostly seen in the market is that actually that TMS is creating the accounting entries or making some pre-bookings, which then get interfaced to an accounting system. So you have several systems working together to facilitate and to automate the process. Okay. And the purpose of all this probably to enable the tracking of all the payments that are made on behalf of other entities so are, that are going from source that is in the first place not meant to be, but I guess from a tax and regulatory perspective, it's allowed. And mm -hmm. like this, you can reconcile properly who made what payments on behalf of whom. And then on top of this, you have probably current accounts or how does it work in terms of like, okay, we made the payment on behalf of this entity, but the cash left from this bank account. So how does it work here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. As you mentioned, it's indeed, it's like the header paying, so doing uh, a proper transaction in name of the subsidiary. Yeah. And that transaction then is reflected on a current account, or it can also be, let's say, a virtual account. Okay. And virtual accounts are a lot used for, for COBOL. So when you want to receive cash in name of a subsidiary, then you could get, let's say, a, um, yeah, a fake IBAN basically. So that's the, the counterparty can transfer to that IBAN, but the money still goes on the, the header account. But you are able to track who the money belongs to. Oh, okay. And that's, you see, there's, there's different ways. It can be just a current account in your accounting system where you manually say, okay, this was coming from this entity. I book it on there. It can be based on, on payment instructions or payment information that you give where the system can then automatically recognize, oh, this was a POBO for, um, for this subsidiary. So I will book it there. It can be virtual accounts. There are uh, a lot of solutions in the markets. And so just uh, for the sake of it, because I know I struggled a lot with this notion when I uh, started my consulting life in Treasury, current accounts, can you quickly break down what that is? Because I, I link it with bank accounts, but it's not really the same, right? So it's within a company. I know I'm, I'm the one who used the, the, the term in our conversation, but can you, can you please break it down? Yeah. So a, a current account in for Pobo Cobo, it's actually, it's an in-house bank account. Okay. It is just the bank account or the position account that you keep between the header of the in-house bank and the subsidiary. So that's in, in terms of in-house banking, a current account. Okay. So it will be an account. So a, a numerical writing in the system, the software you use to register all your payment transactions saying, okay. This entity, the header, made that payment for this amount in this currency on behalf of this entity. So therefore, 
this entity owes that much money when it settles once per month, once per year, whatever. Is that? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Super clear. So payment on behalf of, we have a group with several entities. There is one that is, that would be the header. I guess it's like very central, so a finance uh, entity probably that execute payments on behalf of other entities, the subsidiaries to enable all the benefits that you named at the beginning of the, of the episode. Clear. Kobo, uh, we quickly touched upon it, um, but I guess it's the same, but in reverse, right? You, instead of executing payments, you collect uh, money and that enables again, cash centralization, visibility, and yeah, savings in terms of bank account required. That's a proper summary. Absolutely. That's indeed uh, a perfect summary, Guillaume. (laughs) There is maybe one thing to mention here is that sometimes we have Kobo or it is called Robo, receipt on behalf of, but they... They actually mean the, the same thing, but depending on which company you are at it, sometimes they use Kobo, sometimes Robo. Okay, so I didn't even ever heard of this term. Um, so Robo, why would you, I guess there is a small difference, right? Otherwise there, there wouldn't be two different terms. What would be receipt exactly? Receipt on behalf of it, it's the same. So okay. it's like a collection, but you just get a, get a receipt. It's a, a different wording for the, the same item. And of course, if there would be anyone listening that says, okay, there is a, a small nuance, uh, we'd, we would be happy as well to, uh, yeah, to get the background and information. Perfect. Enlighten us. Leave a comment in uh, the section of this uh, episode or on LinkedIn directly. I'm happy to take it. <laughs> awesome. 